0: Welcome to Dynasty Theory, your source for everything Dynasty fantasy football. With your host, John Bauer.
1: Looking to sell everybody price dependent.
0: Dan LaMagna.
1: Too much
2: dysfunction in Cleveland.
3: And Mitch Sorensen.
2: Well, it's hard to compete with excellence.
3: Welcome back
1: to another episode of Dynasty Theory, a proud member of the Ross Tucker Football Podcast Network. I'm your host, John Bauer. You can find me on Twitter at The Bauer Club. And make sure you're following the show on Twitter and Instagram at Dynasty Theory FF. So in the middle of his Scott Fishbowl preparation, Dan Lamani was able to get away and join us tonight. Of course, on Twitter,
3: at FFCoachDan. What's going on, Dan? And I am pumped for tonight. You know, between coaching and playing, you know, the medical staff was always an extension of the football team. It's no different in fantasy football. So I am stoked for tonight's guest, JB. (laughs) Keep us going. Keep us going, buddy. Absolutely. And of
1: course, we are joined by Mitch Sorensen. That's at DinoMC on Twitter. What's going on, Mitch?
2: Hey, what's going on? Closed on my house today. Get a move this week. Excited about it. It's going to be fun. Well, hopefully you don't have to
1: jump away. I know you were going through some potty training issues here, <laughs> you know, a few minutes ago.
2: Yeah. If I just leave for the rest of the shows because my youngest one's having some issues at the moment, but it's all right.
1: Guys, we have another great show for you today, but you know what else is great? Manscaped, who is the best in men's below the belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision engineer tools for your family, Joel's. I know it's a little uncomfortable and kind of awkward to talk about, but let's be honest. We have all had close calls when doing a little manscaping. The only cuts we want to happen are the players being cut from our dynasty rosters. Luckily, all that danger, it's a thing of the past. And that's exactly why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer and just released the lawnmower 3.0. It's perfectly engineered, long battery life up to 90 minutes, water resistant, it has an LED light, and it's also super quiet. Of course, Manscaped is known for the below-the-belt grooming, but it doesn't stop there. Use it for a haircut or just to clean up that unruly chest hair. Guys, make your significant other happy and keep things nice and clean down there. Get 20% off plus free shipping by using code THEORY20 at manscaped.com. Again, that's code THEORY20 for 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com all right well we're not gonna we're not gonna waste any time here and you hear the squeaky toy in the background we have a fantastic guest and no it's not it's not a squeaky toy she is all over the fantasy football landscape espn's injury analyst fantasy football now every sunday morning none other than stefania bell what's going on stefania thanks for joining us tonight
0: Thanks for having me. Um, as, as people will hear, there is a squeaky toy, it's not mine. <laughs> I adopted a rescue puppy during this pandemic, and uh, the, the, the challenge with adopting a pet during this time is that they think that you live solely to spend 24 hours a day with them. And so when I'm trying to do work, uh, He's trying to get me to pay attention to his toy. And I thought he'd be asleep by now. I thought we took care of this, but um, I'm gonna try and, and you may see me lean down to try and toss it somewhere. So hopefully uh, it'll wear out a little bit. And I apologize for the squeak.
1: No, you're fine. And for video purposes, you know, we, we tried StreamYard, technical difficulties. I think during this pandemic, everybody is just recording podcasts. So I think with StreamYard <laughs> especially, there's just been so much uh, foot traffic and so many issues there. But if, if we see you go down off the screen, it's not going to be a big deal. So we are going to move at a pretty quick pace here. We switched over to Zoom for tonight's episode. But th- the first thing we want to ask you, Stefania, and we seem to see this constantly, especially on Twitter. Mitch, Dan, and myself were very active on Twitter, and I know you are as well. But we always see the label be- of a player being injury-prone. Over recent years, I think the main player that comes to mind is Keenan Allen. You know, And I think that, that label kind of disappeared a little bit. But you being ESPN's injury analyst and the work that you put in, what do you think about that label? You know, I kind of have here, is it fact or fiction?
0: It's really interesting because I actually just wrote something about this and uh, it made me think about the term. You know, it's not a label I like to apply to an athlete for a number of reasons. And I think the term gets overused, you know, a, a guy will have, an injury or two and in a, in a sport, quite frankly, that where you're going to expect to get hurt more often than not. And all of a sudden um, they're being called injured prone. And there's always a negative connotation associated with it. Like they miss time. They're not reliable. or And, and so I understand why players, when they hear that people are talking about them that way, because it's not just fantasy, real football. Um, you hear the term used too. They get frustrated. And so I try to really think about what does that, mean to me and I do think that there are uh, there are players who've had some really bad luck where it seems like they just have very different types of injuries and uh, they're not related to one another and I felt like Keenan Allen and Matthew Berry who I work with it and I have talked about this where I felt like Keenan Allen kind of fell into that category where he had a series of unrelated injuries one was broken collarbone one was a torn ACL randomly in practice they weren't connected um and i felt like he was going to work his way out of that he just had a string of bad luck and then i thought he was going to be good and he ends up putting together i think three seasons with you know 16 games and so uh, he did to me he doesn't really fit that label i i think when uh when i personally think about it and as a pt i think of what are the type of injuries where you know there's a, a likelihood of high recurrence and that when you're playing fantasy is what you're worried about. The guy who's going to have something that's likely to get aggravated again during the season or a pattern of injuries that follow a similar path. And soft tissue injuries are the big one. Um, Primarily, you know, you think of repetitive strains, hamstring injury, the guys who get a hamstring a quad, for example, Will Fuller is super talented, but the hamstring injuries are a real problem for him. And it's, consecutive it's uh, when he comes back he often can't go hundred percent you know he if he when he's electric and healthy he's great but you're always worried about that next hamstring injury and you see a similar pattern of soft tissue injuries with him you start to think about does that label really apply so for, for me it's you know there's no quantifiable, line in sports medicine it's not like you can definitively say it's this it's really a perception right it's a, so for everybody else for everybody it's going to be somewhat different I kind of say it's like an injury Mendoza line but um, to me it's the pattern it's the pattern it's the nature of the injury and when you start to see it repeated over a period of a few years and it's also something where you think that tissue is never going to be the same you know broken bones heal and they're stronger. Um, hamstrings heal and they create scar and less pliability and increase the risk of future hamstring injuries. Those are the players that tend to fall into uh, the injury-prone category, if you will, for me. And that's that's a very long way of explaining how I define it, but I'm pretty selective on where I apply it for that reason.
1: No, and I think that's a great answer because constantly, especially for us, you know, in dynasty leagues, we're entering trade negotiations with folks and you bring up a player, oh no, well, they're injury prone. But just like you said, if it's completely different and random injuries, are they really injury prone? Or is it the players that we look at like a Will Fuller where it's the same injury over and over again? And they kind of answer the next question we had here. And you know, for time's sake, let's just get right into the players. And I mm-hmm. think the level and the concern for reoccurrence from a dynasty perspective, that's really going to come into play. So the first guy that we want to talk about Matthew Stafford, you know, early in his career, he missed some time, but then he went on that stretch where he did not miss any games at all. So, Stefania, with the, the fracture in his back here in 2019, missing half of 2019, is there any concern? So, from a dynasty perspective, should we be worried, should we say, whoa, 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 hold on, this might be an issue moving forward?
0: Uh, I don't think this particular thing is an issue moving forward. I think, in fact, that's one of the reasons that the medical staff really forced Stafford to sit uh, in the latter part of last season. That guy's so tough. He would play through anything. Just go back to thinking about when he tore that tendon in his finger and he kept playing. I mean, his finger was, you could see it was, uh, didn't look normal. I mean, uh, he plays beat up and we all know that he has been routinely beat up There was a period of time where he had zero protection. The guy was taking a ton of abuse at the position. But uh, it's funny that you mentioned him first, because he's another one where we have this conversation on our podcast. And I just said, you know, he, he was really unlucky with what happened to him in his early part of his career. And he had this patellar dislocation. It was traumatic. And, you know, it, or I think it was a subluxation, didn't fully dislocate. But in any event, he had that injury with his kneecap. And once it scarred over and he recovered, he was really fine. That wasn't going to be an ongoing problem. And then he had this stretch where he just did not miss games at all. So, um, you know, when you're talking about fractures in the spine, the amount of pain that you're dealing with, um, this guy was clearly playing through a ton of pain. And I think they thought for his long-term health, uh, forget about football, but just for the rest of his um, life to not have chronic pain, to not be dealing with a, a spine issue that would you know, be problematic for him into eight, uh, his older age. I think they wanted him to fully recover from it. He's already talked about the fact that he feels fine, he's fully recovered, and I believe him. I, that, that's not something I'm worried about.
1: But I don't want I, I to pour salt on the wound, but Mitch here, he's our resident Detroit Lions fan, so he's used to seeing them get battered and bruised. But Dan... quarterback 15 in dynasty 32 years old we kind of get the age discount a little bit even though he's still playing at the extremely high level he is how do you feel about him from a dynasty perspective
3: i love how you took that opportunity to get a jab at mitchell there. (laughs) i had to i had to that that was slick um you know i I love matthew stafford i'm a georgia bulldog fan so i've always have i think he's he's tough as nails there uh you know i like him in the scott fishbowl that we're all drafting in uh but for dynasty's Stefania I, I get a little bit of cold feet there I, you know I'm a big Dallas fan as you can see with Dak there in the back and I have flashbacks of Tony Romo in his back and I just I get concerned should that be a long-term concern with Matthew Stafford in a in Dynasty League
0: you're talking about different injuries and and that's where that's where this stuff really matters you know Tony Romo had uh, well so he had two things because he had the disc in his back that was problematic and that often goes on to be you know, we've seen guys who have herniated discs, they have surgery, they get better for a period of time. Um, look at Joe Flacco dealing with one in his neck and it's pretty much taken him out of commission. Um, Tony Romo had a disc issue. That was the thing that concerned me. He then uh, later had um, the fractures in his back that he took from a helmet to the back. Now those are not uncommon in football and that's something that you might miss a week or two and then you're back in. So. That injury for him was not worrisome long term, but the disc problem that he had was worrisome long term. Matthew Stafford had fractures, and they were multiple, more than one, um, but they were not of the type like the one Tony Romo had. So they were not the you know two weeks and just shoot up, be you no know, big deal. Um, but they needed time to really heal so that that bone had a chance to repair itself. But no word of a disc problem for him. So because it's not really the soft tissue element of his spine, I'm really not that worried about it.
3: I feel more encouraged now, John. I, I will draft him <laughs> in dynasty. Thank you, Stefan. <laughs> Here we go. But he,
0: and, you know, you brought up a good point about the age disc. I mean, just it is harder. You know, you've been in the league, you've taken that kind of abuse like he has for years. At at some point, your body doesn't recover as quickly as it used to. So you know, protection for a player in that position becomes more important. Do you think he can, you know, avoid um, being manhandled all the time? And I think he's in a better situation right now and he has more um, talent around him. So, uh, but you know, it, it depends on the terms of your dynasty league too. I mean, I don't think he's, he's retiring anytime soon, but I'm looking at him for like, you know, in, in the two to four year range, but I wouldn't be thinking you know, not Patrick Mahomes 10 years and half a billion dollars later.
1: (laughs) Right, right. And Stefania, that's why we wanted you to come on the show, because in our dynasty leagues, we have the group chats in every single league. And I've had people say, well, Matthew Stafford, he has the back injury. And, you know, uh, we can't invest in him. But we're all just Joe Schmoes. None of us have, you know, the the pedigree and the background that you have. So the whenever somebody, next time they tell me, well, Matthew Stafford, the back injury, I'm concerned I'm (laughs) going to say – go back to Dynasty Theory, go to the 10-minute mark, check out what Stefania Bell said, and then come back to me. So uh, I, I love the, uh, the, the feedback there, too, because I'm a big believer in Matthew Stafford. Now, let's not go too far from the Detroit Lions. We're going to kind of jump around a little bit here, again, for time purposes. But um, Stefania, before we get your insight, Mitch, carry on Johnson,
2: mm-hmm. running back
1: 32 right now in startups. He looked great his rookie year prior to leaving early and getting injured. What are your thoughts here? Because now two years in a row, he has not finished a season.
2: Yeah, my biggest problem, even at his price right now with running back 32, is that's going to be close to where his ceiling is. Maybe he could be an RB2 at some point, but we know they got DeAndre Swift. So my biggest issue is when you're drafting injured players is you want to get them at a pretty big discount. And hope they could get up that ceiling. And right now you're still kind of getting carry on where we kind of think he's already gonna finish. And so you're not getting any discount on him at all. And you know, he's young enough to where I could see him have like a Latavius Murray type of year to where you kind of are always happy with him on your team, but you're never willing to go out and to acquire him. Stefania,
1: what are your thoughts here? So obviously, Mitch, he brought up DeAndre Swift. Is that kind of a situation where Matt Patricia thinks? okay, I want to employ the running back by committee because our other running backs, Ty Johnson, Bo Scarborough, pretty much nobody's, even though Dan, I'm surprised you don't have a Bo Scarborough jersey hanging up behind you. You love him as well. But, or or Stefania, do you think it's kind of a situation where, you know, we use that term injury prone? Is he just a guy that's never going to be healthy for us?
0: it's interesting, right? So I think running back is the most vulnerable position in the NFL. There's no way around it. I mean, your job is to be the target of getting taken down whatever way possible. And uh, then you add to that, that the nature of what you do is run and pound over and over again. And your knees are the things that are going to break down when you're a runner. That's just, it's the nature of it. So between the non-contact risk, just from the overuse and the the grinding and the pounding, the contact risk from being a running back and taking a lot of low hits, especially in a pile um, where guys are coming in sideways and hitting your knee. That's why a lot of running backs, you know, they end up with MCL injuries, which is what ended Kerryon Johnson's season to begin with um, the, the first year. And then he had a meniscus injury last year that required surgery. And, and, and you do, you know, nowadays, they do repairs when they're possible because preserving as much of the meniscus as you can helps the the life of your knee joint, if you will. There's that it's a cushion in there that gives some stability to the joint and helps um, prevent the breakdown of the cartilage, which is arthritis. So. Not only, again, not just for football, but for long-term health of a knee. If you're young and you have a meniscus tear that they can repair, they're going to do that. But that costs you much longer period of time because that's a longer rehab. And that's why he missed so much time last season. And so you put it together that is the, the, the bad position. <laughs> you know, the, running backs are hard for me to invest in. I mean, we all do it because you're looking to catch guys in that window where they can be uber productive for you. But all you have to do is look at Todd Gurley and look at what happened to somebody who was incredibly productive, super talented. And, um, you know, he came into the league having an ACL reconstruction and you just knew that that knee was likely to be problematic, but it's hard to know when. And right around the time that first contract would end, you know, right around that five-year mark, Um, and he was, I I give him credit, like, get paid before you break down, and uh, it's unfair to me that running backs typically don't, like, they don't make it out of that rookie contract before they get paid, and their best production is likely to happen before that first five years is up, Um, and so I think that the Lions did what was smart for the team, which is get somebody who can compliment carry on and they, they talk about like, that's how they see it. Um, look, Deandre Swift is going to come in fresh and he's very talented, he's a pass catcher. And, and I think that who cares if he takes over as far as they're concerned, if he carries more of the load and carry on becomes a compliment to him, that actually could preserve the health of carry on Johnson and make him more useful for them as a team. It doesn't help anyone in fantasy. But look where Patricia came from. They had the <laughs> most versatile running back core in terms of all the different things they could do and all the different plays they could establish for them. And that's part of how you keep them on the field.
1: Right. And then, Mitch, you saw this when we were doing our 2020 projections, how much of the, the uh, close to a 50-50 split for the top two backs with Carryon and DeAndre Swift. And Carryon Johnson's health, I think that, ha- I know that's going to have a huge impact here on DeAndre Swift's rookie production. Because if carry on does go down, we saw how much Mitch, and you can attest to this, how much we allocated to carry on Johnson. We would have to assume that DeAndre Swift would see a big uptick there.
2: Yeah, at least enough. I mean, I love DeAndre Swift. Everyone knows that. I mean, I went and bought his autographed jersey as as I could. As soon as we get in the house, it'll be in the man cave. I'm really excited for it. But yeah, like the problem, like I was saying with carry on is what are you going to get out of him at this point running back three more than likely, maybe a running back two in an elite year. And that's just not something that I want to do with that sort of pick.
1: Now we're going to stick with the much hated running back position. Just like Stefania said, they rarely make it out of that first contract. And here's another one. Le'Veon Bell left Pittsburgh, James Connor. He had a fantastic run there. But again, we look at these guys that they have endured injuries Stefania, what are your thoughts on James Conner? He missed nine games over the last two seasons. Quad, shoulder injuries. Are there concerns here? Then I actually have a follow-up question after you kind of uh, gear up here on James Conner.
0: Uh, I think there are. I mean, look, it's the way he plays, too. He's a physical runner. Um, you never really know what, even when somebody recovers 100% from uh, cancer treatment, you never really know what the treatment does at sort of a baseline level to some of the tissue i mean well
1: there goes my follow-up question right there stefania
0: (laughs) you're getting you get into the weeds a bit because we don't really know that you know and it doesn't mean he can't i mean clearly he's still uber talented if you look at the kind of conditioning he's in i mean he's in phenomenal shape but uh is he more at risk for breakdown you know Who knows? Again, it's really hard to quantify, but I think between the way he runs and the focus that was on him, he was at a huge disadvantage last year because, you know, there's no more Le'Veon Bell. It's just him. And they didn't have Roethlisberger. So like they they really didn't have a, a, a passing threat, if you will. And he became the entire focus of the offense. I actually think that with Roethlisberger back, um with their I think their passing game is going to improve I think Juju has a much better year this year I think that opens up uh the the ability for James Connor to do some different things but but <laughs> there's a reason that they uh, got some insurance at the position and I, I I think again it's just a function of being a running back um but I do think if the offense changes a little bit and I suspect that it will I mean how can it not with Ro- Roethlisberger coming back and I think he's going to be in good shape um, it, it, it takes some of that pressure of all the focus being on James Conner
3: looking at his injuries the fun, do you think you know I, I look at all the players we're covering here and in my Al Bundy football days I think <laughs> I've had all of these injuries except for the back and a foot Probably. injury but, like, quad and shoulders, like, I feel like you could get them right. And they've been particularly his injuries. And, and watching the Steelers last year, I felt like they rushed him back. And maybe by necessity. I remember having him in, some D in DFS there. And then he came back and he couldn't even make it through the game. And he was tough. He tried everything he had to be there for his team. But I think with a whole full offseason, are those injuries that he might be that one guy that could rebound? I'm bullish. I'm, I'm going Connor Strong here.
0: Yeah, I, I don't really, I'm not really worried about a carryover from what he had last year. I just think you know in terms of us talking about uh, what puts him at risk, it was the position, his style of play et cetera. but he had an AC joint problem and he lowers a shoulder to take a hit. He's always going to get hit and it's almost impossible to get that fully better during the course of the season. I mean you're right, they did everything they could. He was pushing to get back and try it. And then he took one big hit that one game. I think he was in for, well, I don't know, a series or something, you know, yeah. much of the fantasy world's disappointment, but sometimes that's the only way, you know, sometimes that's the only way a player knows. And the Steelers might've known, Hey, we don't know if this is going to work. We're going to give it a shot and we'll see. And then they had a plan for when it didn't. And that's, that's the other thing is there's so few games in the NFL compared to, you know, a typical baseball season with 162, we've got the NBA with all kinds of games, that the football every week counts. And in fantasy football, every week counts. And so you've got players who are trying to get on the field and a lot of times their incentives, if they play a certain percentage of games, you know, they're trying to get back out there and they are not really afforded the recovery time that it would take to really truly recover, you know, for to really get healthy. And so they're trying to push through injuries that might not be a big deal if they could just sit out, you know, take like six weeks in an offseason and completely rest and get better. And uh, so when we look at those injuries in the context of the season, that's part of the problem. You see these guys miss extended time and it's because they're trying to push through something. They're coming back not at 100 percent, but sometimes at 50 or 60 percent.
1: Dan, you've, you've talked about being Connor strong and you've taken him in our dynasty startups. Does Stefania's insight here,
3: does that push you even more towards James Connor? I definitely remain confident there just because of the type of injury it's, and he just looks great when he runs, you know, it, it is just yeah. a matter of him being healthy. So I, I'm going to be, I'm going to roll the dice. You got to, you got to roll the dice to win sometimes. And I, I think he could bounce back playing incentivized this year and have a good season.
0: I just wonder if like his utilization is going to be the same. I don't, I, I, I worry about that a little bit. I don't think he's going to touch the ball as much as he did last year.
1: And we've talked about Boy. it too, because when we look at dynasty, we talk about contracts all the time. He's heading into the last year of his deal here. Does he get extended? Obviously he's the Pittsburgh kid. Does he take a, a, a hometown discount? And if he doesn't and they're not going to extend him, maybe it does make sense just to try to run him into the ground. But I think that's a, it's an interesting dynamic that we could see. And just like you said, Stefan, does that impact his usage? Because if it does, he was one of those running backs that his usage was really what gave him that value. He wasn't the hyper efficient player, like an Austin Eckler type,
3: but it was that, that ground and pound. That's what gave him that, that value. I think, you know, John, if. He is healthy, and he's incentivized, like you said, whether it's to stay in Pittsburgh or to get a contract somewhere else. As long as that body holds up, the stars are aligned there. Like Stefania said, Big Ben's back, Juju's back. And I'm not even a Steelers fan. You say you are, John. That's another topic for another show, but I, I digress.
1: Listen, I've told you, I live in Pittsburgh. I'm a Steelers fan, but when it comes down to it, I cheer for my fantasy teams, first and foremost. And Stefani. <laughs> these guys, they give me a hard time all the time. You know, it, it, I think it's in their contracts. They have to rip on me at least five times an episode. <laughs> like,
0: I, I work with people who do the same thing to me. So, <laughs> I,
1: Stephane, I you know knows all too well. Yeah, so we have that in common. Uh, skipping around here, Mitch, let, let's turn to a tight end. And then I think we have to close the show on Stefani. You have the 49ers hat on, so it's only fitting right. to end the <laughs> show with one of your Niners. But Mitch, Evan Ingram, tight end four in dynasty. He's 25, turns 26 in September. They exercise that fifth-year option. What are your thoughts from a a dynasty and fantasy regard? And then we'll go to Stefania here to talk about his, well, pretty extensive injury history.
2: So this goes back to just what I was saying before is – I think he has the talent to be the tight end three or four in dynasty. I think he could do it year in, year out if he stays healthy. But right now you're already paying that tight end for price. So if you're already paying at a ceiling and he has an injury history, I don't see the point in going on acquiring him when you could get someone else that could hopefully stay healthy and then move there in the future. So that's my biggest issue with him. I love him. And if he's on my team, I'm okay having him. But there's not a startup I've had this year that I've gone out and drafted him because I hate drafting people that are at their ceiling. And I don't see any point, unless Kelsey retires, that he can move up above Kelsey, Kittle, and probably Mark Andrews.
1: All right, Stefania. So Evan Ingram, he's missed 13 games over the last two seasons. Foot, hamstring, MCL, foot again. What are your thoughts here? Is there any hope that, okay, Evan Ingram's really going to turn things around and he's going to stay on the field? Because when he does, he's been incredible.
0: He has. And I think, again, he's another one who – was at a disadvantage because there was a lot of focus on him, you know, when Odell got hurt and he became a a big target and, and, you know, there was, um, there was a lot more attention on him. And again, I think that has something to do with why these guys, uh, you know, when the ball is in their hands, we, we often look at like how much they're on the field, but if you look at how involved they are in the game, if the ball is in their hands more, if they're being targeted to be tackled, that becomes a problem when you're looking at their injury risk. And so I think that was a factor for him initially. He also, you know, it's soft tissue injuries. Like you said, the hamstring, the MCL, some things that took a little longer. There was this sense that he'd be back and then he wasn't quite ready to come back. I think you just have to bake the risk into his value and assume that at this point, um, he's not going to play all 16 games. So what are you willing to... Um, what are you willing to spend for someone where you're probably going to get a handful of games that you can't have, you, you are, you're not guaranteed to have them. Like it's icing on the cake if you get them. Um, but, and you know, it's interesting as a tight end position, we actually talked about this last year um, Tight ends look so different now than they used to, for the most part. I mean, I like to say the 49ers were early in having these big physical pass catching tight ends. I don't know if you guys remember Brent Jones, but it's like the way we we saw tight ends do that could block and catch passes, and they were critical to the offense. And now, I don't, you you every team has to have one of those. You know, you hear about the blocking tight end, pass catching tight end, or some hybrid, um, you know, and they're amazing athletes, but they're big um, because of the nature of their position. And there's this, uh, this build of a tight end that is built for physical contact, but is also super fast. Um, And there was an article in the Washington Post last year, and I think it was probably prompted because Jordan Reed is sort of a classic example of, you know, are they trying to create something that's built to fail because their body can't really hold up that size with the demands that that, it, that are placed on it. it? It's a fair question because of the, the role of tight end is, is different than it ever used to be.
1: And not necessarily the measurables and the metrics, but I think that's a great comparison between Evan Ingram and Jordan Reed. Jordan Reed, again, absolutely fantastic when he's on the field, just like Evan Ingram, but he just missed so much time. And I think that's a fantastic point and something that I know in our league chats and different places that we've talked about this, that it hasn't been discussed the way the tight end, the new mold, is it fit to fail? And I, I think that's a, a fantastic insight. Dan, any thoughts here on Evan Ingram? I, I, know on previous episodes, you've kind of shied away from him. And I think the reasons are pretty similar to Mitch, you know, we don't know if he's going to be on the field. I think, it's a safe bet that he's not going to be on the field for 16 games.
3: That was really interesting. What Stefania was going to have to say there, because he is a guy, you know, I kind of joke and use the you know, phrase been made of glass. Uh, he just hasn't been able to stay healthy. I don't have any dynasty shares, but he's intriguing every year. I mean, you know, the talent is there, you know, he's a guy that I'm you know fighting with a little bit Scott fishbowl here. Do you take an Ingram or not? And uh, you know, I'm probably going to, you know, the answer to Stefania's question was, you know, are you willing to, take that chance knowing you're going to miss a handful of games, and I'm probably not.
1: And something like Scott Fishbowl, I think you need the upside with how many teams are in there. And, you know, I can't really attest to it too much because I got destroyed last year. And, <laughs> but, you know, I, I was saying, Stefania, before we got on the air, that one of the guys I really loved, and we talked about injuries, Sony Michelle, and he just kind of killed oh, me yeah, last
0: okay. year. <laughs> I,
1: I, I thought he was going to be a great value, and he was, meh, nothing. But
0: yeah. – he had a problematic knee coming into the league, and it's yep. just continued to be problematic. And I, it, I feel for him because I, I don't think he'll ever be a hundred percent.
3: Right now, I'm John, for someone who went eleven and one in the fishbowl last year, you know, I would, <laughs> I would probably say stay away. But I, do, I do agree, you need them to take some chances. That's
0: pretty impressive.
3: Thanks, Stefanie, I appreciate it. I that. did
0: not. I'm just going to point out, I had Cam Newton, I had Sam Darnold. I Cam Newton missed the whole season. Darnold missed it right at the beginning all my tight ends got hurt i, I melvin borden decided he wasn't going to play football right after we drafted it was terrible so i can only do better this year i'm that's what i'm telling myself
3: the, the Stephani, stars were the, it, it
1: could it could always be worse to you could be like mitch here and you could have taken Damian williams at the beginning of the third round
2: <laughs> wow it, it would have worked out if he was healthy it would have been okay
3: <laughs> i had to get that jab in sometimes the stars are not aligned and John would John told me I couldn't say this because he I'd embarrass him but it's been killing me not to call you Starfani you listen to so many episodes <laughs> and you know I don't know if that was just for Matthew and Field and the, and the crew over there but
0: oh no no it's fi- it's funny I mean it's funny because people say it on social media like you know these things Matthew has a way of making things stick for better <laughs> for So I mean,
3: it is ingrained so hopefully for this year the stars are aligned for you Starfani Uh
0: well thank you I I I feel like I deserve it. I paid it. I paid a price of shame last year,
1: so. And those are even nice words coming from a Cowboys fan to a 49ers fan. But (laughs) speaking of a 49ers fan, Stefania, Debo Samuel, especially this offseason, it's like any little piece of information we got, especially on Twitter, we just drove it into the ground and beat it like a dead horse. Debo Samuel – Currently wide receiver 26, 24 years old, not an old player by any means, obviously one season under his belt, has the foot injury from earlier in this offseason. So a few questions, Stefania. One, what's the short-term implications here? And two, because we've seen it with other players, is there a concern for reinjury re-injury that could really cost him time later in the season or even later in his career?
0: So a lot of it depends on how this is managed going forward. And there's a reason to feel um, very good about his future. Number one, he had a similar injury in college, opposite foot, it's not a problem. So uh, it, it's, like, if it's not the same foot. I mean, it was the first thing I wanted to find out was did he have a refracture on the same side? Cause that would have been far worse. Um, and the reason being the usual, when you have a Jones fracture, this is like standard procedure is to pin it. You know, they put a little pin in the foot, that, that area It's a fracture of the fifth metatarsal. It's like the long bone on your forefoot attaches to your pinky toe. So if you look down at your foot, that long bone that goes to the base of your pinky toe, you fracture it kind of near where it joins the toe. And that uh, area doesn't have a good blood supply. So in the old days, they just used to put you in a walking boot or a walking shoe or whatever and wait for it to heal. Problem is a lot of times it wouldn't heal well on its own because it just doesn't have good blood supply and it's unstable, you know, it's easy to destabilize, not heal. So uh, now the standard is to put a little pin in. The procedure itself isn't a huge deal, but uh, it still has to repair itself. It's still not a great area for healing. So it can be augmented. They put a little um, paste in there that's got some um, uh, basically some growth factors to kind of help the healing process and and what have you. And the thing is that um, it depends on the nature of the injury. Sometimes there are just little itty-bitty cracks; it's not all the way through the bone. Sometimes it's a complete fracture all the way through, and those nuances can impact the healing. Now, what you'll see is if it's in season, most of these guys will come back in season, and it's for all the reasons that we talked about, you're trying—you know—you've got a short opportunity, um, especially if your team looks like it's doing well. There's a chance for you to come back at the end and contribute. They will do that and take the risk that it could refracture, knowing that even, you know, bone we say takes six weeks roughly to heal, and the Jones fractures you want to give it a little bit longer. But um, if you look at like what happened with Greg Olson when he had his, he came back because there was an opportunity to come back and contribute, and he knew that there was a chance he could refracture, and. But if if you do, then you go and you have this more robust secondary procedure, but that's like a six month recovery. And so some people would ask the question, well, why not just get that done? The first? Because the, the re-injury rate after the more robust repair with bone grafting and the six month recovery is virtually nil. I mean, it, there's no re-injury to that level of repair in any NFL player so far, um, but The reason they don't all go for it right away is because you're talking about the chance to come back during the season if you go with the more straightforward repair, and you know less surgery is better most of the time. You know less work to do is is a better option, but they take a risk when they come back. So you factor all that in with Debo Samuel, and you look at the timeline. They said, you know, we've heard like 10 to 12 weeks because you got to remember it's not just time for the bone to heal; it's getting you know, kind of retesting the foot, getting the conditioning back, making sure you can do everything you need to do in a game before you would return. He posted on social media, like he'd be back. No problem. I'll, I'll be back you it. And, and it's great that he's so optimistic. And maybe because he's been through it before and he, he knows he came through with flying colors. But if I'm the 49ers, knowing the talent that I have here and knowing how valuable he is, there's not necessarily a need to get him on the field in week one. And I would much, rather err a little bit on the conservative side. So you, you look at the possibility of like staying on the pup for an extended period, you know, missing those first few weeks to make sure he's healthy. It's too early to say, you know, we, we, there's things that can happen in the healing process between now and then, but I could see that being an outcome. So just because Debo says, I'll be ready by week one, and he's enthusiastic about it, doesn't necessarily mean he will be I also don't know that it's a lock that the 49ers hold him back. I mean, there, there's, it's kind of this nuanced thing, and we probably won't know till it gets very close.
1: It seems like every player's overly optimistic. I remember whenever Darius Geis came out his rookie season, oh, he, tore the AC, he tore the ACL, <laughs> and he, he tweeted out, and he had a video, guys, I'm fine, don't worry about it. Next day, boom, I'm out for the entire season. And I had him, I took him in every one of my rookie drafts. I was so excited And that happened, Um, you know, so short term, Stefania, obviously you said there's a lot that can happen between now and the start of the season. But if let's say Scott Fishbowl, you have the opportunity to draft him where you would have taken him prior to the injury. Are you going to hold off? Are you still going to be a little bullish? Are you going to wear your San Francisco colored glasses and just say, Hey, I'm taking my guy.
0: I, I love Debo, but I don't know that I would take him at that spot because uh, like, this is also a weird year. So everything has to me happens within the context of the fact that we're talking about functioning within a pandemic where there's going to be a lot of uncertainty. And what if that uncertainty translates to a shortened season? It's possible. Um, so every, when I'm taking players right now, and I, I love Debo and I will cheer for him for the Purpose of the 49ers, but I also think the 49ers who've been burned by a couple uh, preseason injuries. I mean, all these guys who get hurt in the preseason and they never quite get 100. Um, they're they're looking at the long game. They were at the Super Bowl last year, so why would they not think they at least have a shot to go that far? There is zero reason to rush him back. I just have this feeling that they're not going to, you know, bring him back week one. I could be wrong. And things could change. He could be doing so well that they're like, look, we're not going to hold him back. And he's an interesting character anyway. I mean, he is, um, he had some big injuries at South Carolina, but it really never, you know, he's not one of those guys who was phased by his injuries. He just, boom, comes back and, you know, that's, he's electric. He's got no fear. Um, he, He doesn't play any differently because of the injuries that he's had. And he had a couple, you know, pretty significant ones. So they probably are gonna have to hold him back against his will. But I think at the end of the day, that's probably what they're gonna do. So to answer your question, I'm not investing the same amount right now. Now, you know, talk to me if I'm having a draft right before the season starts <laughs> yeah. and I might feel differently, but, but if it, for dynasty purposes, I would have no hesitation about getting because I'm looking at the, the long game.
1: Absolutely. And Mitch, I want to make sure that you heard all of that because Stefania, when Mitch and I, we did our projections as a team for 2020, and it was very difficult because obviously our values and, and our thought processes didn't exactly align. But Mitch, I told you, I said, when this news comes out or came out that we should probably reevaluate. And you said, no, no, just keep his projections the same. That, now you have Stefania Bell, physical therapist, ESPN. Are you finally going to listen? I am. It's very true. But a big thing
0: <laughs> was I also is said like wrong, so. <laughs>
2: no, Stephane, you no you're completely you on right. Now. Of course you are. <laughs> but like John wanted all these done in June and to like not touch them again. I'm like, no, we could go and refresh these at some point. And immediately after, we're like, hey guys, we got this PDF. The cab Newton news comes out. We're like, well, <laughs> that's done.
1: <laughs> no, we'll definitely make some adjustments. And yeah, our Patriots projections is pretty much shot at this point.
0: Yeah, I just think, I think it's one of those, you know, he's another guy. It's why I love going to training camps, um, which, you know, that's, I don't think that's happening this year, but that's why I've always loved doing it because there's so much that you learn, so much that you see, even guys who, if they weren't practicing right now, you're talking to people and hearing about how they're doing, how they're looking, where, you know, what their progress is like, and you get a much better flavor going into the season of, of where they're at. It's so weird this year because everybody's been working on their own. We're not going to have any idea about anyone's level of fitness. We have to go by their Instagram posts. and We all know that the gram lies. So, you know, I mean, I just, when they get into camp and they've all been apart and now, now they're trying to ramp them up to play football after no OTAs and, and nothing but these virtual workouts it's just going to change a lot of things. I almost feel like I'll be sitting back and just watching what happens. I I think um, if you don't, you don't have preseason games, I think the injuries we see in the preseason are going to skew towards the season. Uh, I mean, I hate to be gloomy. doom. like, don't get me wrong. I I love football. I want football. I want it to work, but you're, you're, you're going to see something you've never seen before. So if we try to apply all the same rules that we traditionally go by, we're gonna be disappointed because I I don't think we can expect the same outcome given the context of everything that's going on.
1: And based on how 2020 has gone so far, the pandemic, those killer hornets or murder hornets or whatever they were called, and there's all this crazy stuff, I assume it's gonna get crazier before it gets better. But Dan, Stefania already said dynasty purposes. She's not changing her value based on what we've seen so far. What do
3: you think? I don't think there's anything to add to that. I I think Stefania was spot on with Debo, you know, the different type of scenarios. I'm going to go off the show notes here, John. I'm I'm cheating a little bit tonight because there's a a special opportunity having Stefania. I have more shares than what any human should have of Amari Cooper. I know we're getting a little short on time, but could you just help me sleep a little bit better tonight and tell me my dynasty shares are going to be okay?
0: Well, this is the guy who said he had plantar fasciitis that never caused him to miss games before, and he played through it, and he actually did remarkably well last year, again, when it cropped up. I've never seen anyone, if you've ever had plantar fasciitis, or if you've seen people who have it, it is so painful. I'm not really sure how he uh, was able to perform as well as he did, but that said a lot to me right there. We know that he's much happier in Dallas, I mean, he's got a great setup there, so um, look, I, I'm with you. I'm I'm a huge Mari Cooper fan, so
3: it's all I needed. All right. <laughs> I will sleep well tonight with my head on the pillow.
2: And show.
1: <laughs> uh, God forbid, Dan, we go one show without talking about one of your Cowboys. But Stefan, you talk about the plantar fasciitis. I actually, I self-diagnosed myself many moons ago with plantar fasciitis. Luckily, I I really don't leave my couch too often. So it wasn't too big of a deal for me.
0: So you could still perform. You could still show up and you know, here you are.
1: So b- before we wrap things up tonight, Stefania, we're having field Yates on the show, July 29th.
0: Young field Yates. As Matthew I know, Ray. I
1: know. So I want you to give us a question. It can be serious, goofy, something in between that you think we should ask him that our listeners would enjoy.
0: Oh my gosh. You're putting me on the spot. <laughs> um, you know, I, I think you should ask him, well, there's two things. One is you can ask him about his puppy because he is so over the moon about, they, they got a puppy. Uh, his name, the, the puppy's name is Cisco, just like the brewery that is feels like home away from home during the summer. So um, you could ask him about the puppy because the puppy dominates all of his um, social media with the exception of the football content. Um, but I think you should ask him about his Gardner Minshew uh, impersonation. Yeah, I think you should, you should have people ask him where he got the idea to be Gardner Minshew. And uh, did you guys see that at Halloween when he did the the Minshew costume? You know what you should do is you should get a picture of it and put it up when you have him on. And That's a great idea. Ask him about the comments that he got a couple people honed in on a couple of key things. Just ask him about that. Yeah, there were, there were some people who made some very um, interesting observations about, about how, how much he looks like Gardner Minshew and, and the things they focused on. Well, I'll let him tell you about that.
1: I that's think we're going to have to do that because Mitch is a huge Gardner Minshew fan. So oh, I think that's going to work out very, very well. <laughs> All right, Stefania, we, re, you know, beyond grateful that you were able to jump on with us tonight and talk about some of these injury, uh, not injury-prone, but injury-riddled players that shorten long-term outlook. It's something we need to take a look at. So as if our listeners do not know, please let them know where to find you on social media and anything you're working on throughout the offseason.
0: Yeah, well, Stefania underscore ESPN on Twitter it's stefania bell now on instagram we were able to actually get my name uh it used to have a different handle so it's just stefania bell on instagram and um what i'm working on right now and uh I, when are, when is this um gonna post uh
1: this will be out as soon as we hang up here i'm gonna edit it and kick it out so i mean okay. within I two hours I'm,
0: so on wednesday i'll be doing outside the lines on sports center talking about um, the NBA return to the bubble and some of the medical things. I've, I have been, I have a binder that's bigger than any binder I remember in recent memory, uh, with divided by the leagues, and I have all the different league protocols and the medical context and going through it. It's really, it's fascinating, but it feels like cramming for final exams in a course where the content is changing all the time. It's, uh, it's almost impossible to keep up with, but I think it's really important to understand what the leagues and and usually it's really the leagues in conjunction with the player associations and all these different sports. It looks so different. I mean um, I'm working on a story on golf and how they've handled the first four weeks right now. Baseball is trying to come back and they're, they have unique challenges because they're going to be playing in their home parks theoretically. Um, You know, the NBA and major league soccer are going to Orlando to be in a bubble and the NFL, we still don't know exactly how all of the testing is going to look, or what exactly uh, training camp and the seasons are going, if the season is going to look like. And I think the one thing I would say is that it's going to be fluid. No matter what we think is going to happen based on the protocols that are likely to drop in the next 10 days or or so, um, it's it's you can't guarantee that it will look the same because it's all in the context of the world around us. So things could change. And I think this year more than ever, um, assuming there is a season, and I, I, I think there will be, that's certainly the intent, uh, but the nimble fantasy football players will be the ones who will do well. The draft, I think, uh, matters some, but I think it's going to matter – less because players test positive and they're out for a week all of a sudden you don't have a player and if a position group is completely decimated in the sense that they're all have to be quarantined because they test positive what if you have a team that has to forfeit a week i've heard that proposition Um, so all of a sudden your team's not playing what are you gonna do i mean fantasy could look really different as a result um so uh stay nimble and 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 watch for this. I think understanding how the the COVID 19 impacts the leagues will be a part of, you know, just like you would track other injury issues affecting your team.
1: So if I have a bad 2020 for fantasy purposes, I'm just going to chalk up to the pandemic because yeah, just you know, put an
0: asterisk by it. Yeah, you know.
1: that's <laughs> the only reason I I wouldn't do well. But again, Stefania, thank you so much for joining us. And if you're not following her on Twitter instagram make sure you go do that and then check out her work on outside the lines this wednesday this episode will be out in time
2: final thoughts
1: final thoughts for the night mitch let's start with you what do you have for our listeners
2: i just want to say thank you to stefani for coming on this was you know it's nothing that us three know we think about we don't know about injuries we just guess (laughs) at it so having someone come on who could tell us kind of how it is is
3: amazing Dan, what are your thoughts? Yeah, it was an absolute pleasure tonight, Stefania, and I'm keeping an eye on you on the fishbowl over here. We're in the same conference, <laughs> different divisions, but we're in the same conference. I'm over there in the Wrestling Figures Conference, and uh appreciate the Mari Cooper good news, and uh, we'll be following your work. Thank you very much.
0: Oh, thank you guys for having me. Thanks for adjusting to the Zoom as well. I appreciate that, and the puppy did quiet down. <laughs> <laughs> yep.
1: i was laughing You, you said you thought he would be asleep but he heard you were going to be on dynasty theory he's like mom i gotta stay up for this i can't go to sleep yet but yeah stefania thank you and thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in find us on twitter and instagram at dynasty theory ff stay safe be kind to each other and have a great night